0: Hello, my friends, you are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you and we'll be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me and inspiring me on how Grit and Grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Grit and Grace. I'm really excited to be talking about mentoring today with Lori Bachman. I have so much really exciting information to share with you about her and what she's done and what she continues to do to help people really work with quality mentors. And Lori is the... She's the owner of the mentorship group. I mean, it's her creation. Her experience ranges from senior executive coaching to building high impact product teams with clients across the nation. She is a highly effective speaker, coach, and communicator. Lori's passion in mentoring, and she has that passion for a good reason, because both during her corporate career as an aerospace finance executive and as a business owner herself, she has seen companies flounder in mentoring programs that often have a short shelf life. They fall to the wayside like last year's initiative, while employees give up and walk away those employees don't just walk away from mentoring programs, they often walk straight out the door. For this reason, she has dedicated herself to teaching a straightforward way to pass on skills between any mentoring pair or team that not only benefits the organization's goals, but also keeps employees engaged and equips them to mentor others. So my friends, make sure you get your pen and paper ready because we are going to be talking and diving deep into this topic. An equally driving passion Lori has, and one born from her mission to shore up mentoring cultures, is to equip people to be brilliantly successful as they deal with others, particularly as they encounter conflict and workplace politics, which we all know and have all experienced. She trains individuals and groups in Tung Fu, a communication process that helps people deflect, disarm, and diffuse verbal conflict. Lori helps to disrupt faulty communication patterns to unseat workplace bullies through her action oriented workshops tung fu martial arts for the mind and mouth which i absolutely love that name and never be bullied again these presentations deal with the condescending coworker in the next cubicle to the top of the mid me too issues Prior to launching the mentorship group in 2011, Lori led teams in multi-billion dollar aerospace merger and acquisition projects. In that role, she enjoyed helping everyone play together well on the playground as she navigated the waters of combining oftentimes rival companies to create shareholder value. She enjoyed working with and learning from real rocket scientists, which is so cool, and gifted engineers and astronauts who have been to the moon and back, like literally these are people that she has worked with. With the mentorship group, she has had the opportunity to work with clients across a range of industries from banking, wealth management, telecom, aerospace, manufacturing, engineering, and healthcare. She has also authored three books, Mentorship mentorship at work, and how to find a great mentor for you. So clearly, as you can hear, my friends, we are going to be talking to one of the mentoring experts of our time. So Lori, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Taverly. Really. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, that's your, well, first of all, your your introduction meant a lot to me to share because when we first met, which was, I don't know, it was a little while ago now, um, I, I think I I think I like, I crashed your lunch. I think you were meeting, yeah, you were meeting with a friend and and I said, oh, I want to come. And so I ended up getting to meet you sort of by happenstance. And this topic of mentoring to me is really important because honestly, it's something that I don't feel that I have ever really known how to create a structured program around mentoring. So as soon as you started talking about it, plus all this really great experience you have to me was like, you drew me like a fly to honey. (laughs) (laughs) so thank you so tell me a little bit let's start by telling me a little bit about your career because you have quite a lengthy um, set of skills from the experiences you've had in business
1: sure Uh, so I start with the corporate life and I spent um, uh, most of my corporate career in aerospace and that's where you reference the astronauts uh, that I worked with Uh, that was pretty fun and uh, so what we did was mergers and acquisitions so we put together companies took them apart, made joint ventures, et cetera. In the meantime, we got to spend a lot of time touring around Wall Street and Capitol Hill and talking to Senate subcommittee members and the head of NASA and everything as we tried to put together space projects, things like what would a new commercial um, space shuttle look like, uh, things like that. So, so I did that for a lot of years. Um, And I, and I found some great mentoring when I was with my company doing aerospace Mm. and then uh, they did an early executive buyout and I ran down the hall to get that because I always knew that what I had learned about mentoring there in the corporate life. Now I wanted to kind of parlay that into a business of my own, write some books and kind of go back into business world and um, and help people mentor in a really effective way. Because truth be told, not just my company, but most any company that I was consulting with, I saw people were kind of stumbling with how to mentor. Like the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. They were trying yeah. and it just wasn't always coming together for them.
0: Do you think though that part of where some of those issues around mentoring can be, especially let's talk about in corporate America, some of those issues can be around the mentee not being willing to sort of let go of their ego and say, I don't know enough about this area. I want to know more. Because in some ways, people might might see that as being you know, vulnerable or, not, or, or admitting that you don't know everything when you're trying to climb. It feels like that might be like a death wish admitting that.
1: Yeah. And that's you know there are several obstacles to mentoring, and that's one of them because people don't want to raise their hand and say, "Hey, I need help." And my my thing I would say to anybody, it doesn't matter where what your position is in the company, uh, how long you've been in the workplace is. Take the humility pill, take the humble pill, and just raise your hand and say, hey, I want to learn, because, you know, people admire people who want to learn, and so, um, yeah, just raise your hand and say, yeah, I would like to have somebody come alongside me for a little bit so I can get a little sharper in this area. Usually, that's admired by the time the person gets through it.
0: Yeah, I had an experience sort of early last year because, as you know, Lori, I started my business, Corporate Cause Agency, last year, and I've been in the process of growing and expanding it. And I've come across a few different individuals in the course of this time that I didn't even know that I was going to say it when it came out of my mouth like, would you mentor me? And the first time I did that was with this gentleman. His name is Miles. And Miles, if you're listening, you're amazing. And it was more that he matched my mindset. You know, he had skills and experience in working in the not-for-profit sector, which is something that I've done. And he also understood what my growth plans were. So I felt like he saw my past and he's been where I want to go. And we didn't formalize the structure at all. But at the time when I asked him that, I felt like this huge like weight come off my shoulders because I felt like I had somebody that was going to help me navigate the things that I didn't understand. And that... That was huge. And you know what he said to me? I find this really interesting. He said to me that most people don't ask for a mentor because they're afraid they're going to say no Mm -hmm. or that it's a burden. And then from the mentor's perspective, he said in his experience, most mentors don't say no because they are so pleased to be asked for their expertise. Right. So, yeah, so you asked,
1: and he said yes, and it's been a great, uh, r- great trip for you, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, what I found most interesting is his, was his response, and, you know, since then, I've started working with another mentor. Her name is Susan, and she's been really good because, you know, she kind of just keeps my butt on track. <laughs> she holds me a little more accountable, and, and that's, that's really good, but, you know, I also know that no mentor is going to come to the table and do more work than the mentee. Right. 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 And that's, that's been something that I had to think about, like, you know, because here's, here's a concept that I want to dive into later. But as a mentee, I don't always know that I am giving them the same value that they're giving me. So figuring that out must be part of the process.
1: Totally. And it needs to be reciprocal. It needs to be two way. Um, So so just some thoughts on you know I, I speak to so many mentees bringing up the same issues you're talking about, Tarver Lee. So so if you want to approach a mentor, a potential mentor, somebody like you said that you admired that kind of knew what your headspace is, et cetera, um, You know, your know, first thing I would say is you know kind of kind of know what it is that you want when you go in. So when you're getting ready to talk to uh, the mentor, you're not like. Hey, would you mentor me forever? You know, <laughs> and yeah. then they're going to be going, oh no, you know, what does that mean? But more like a specific, a specific thing that you're working on, you know, to get to give them some constructs to kind of uh, work around, and and then. Um, And then be thinking and asking them, hey, what is it that I could do for you? And even if they sort of say, oh, I don't really know exactly, look up articles about what it is that they do. You know, Mm -hmm. shoot them an article in an email and say, hey, I I saw this. I thought this might be helpful, you know, as you're learning about them. Just whatever you do, even as a little bit of give back to your mentor, is
0: going to be a good investment such a great idea I love that that's a good way and you know and you should know everything about the company of the person that you asked to mentor you even if it's a personal sort of mentoring connection you know they are in it in their life doing what they're trying to accomplish for their own reasons right right um, okay so tell me about like your mentoring experience early on as a mentee like who who came into your life and and mentored you as you were building your career
1: Uh, I had many great mentors. I'll tell you about one that's kind of a fun story. Uh, There's a gentleman who was indeed an astronaut, and his name is Ken Mattingly. And if you watch the movie Apollo 13, which a lot of us have probably got that somewhere, uh, downloaded on our computer, he was the astronaut that was not able to go on the Apollo 13 mission. Um, He was played by Gary Sinise in the movie. And um, anyway, Ken... Uh, was one of the ones that was very instrumental in helping bring that uh, crew back to earth safely when the spacecraft was mm-hmm. crippled, and then he went on to uh, command a couple of space shuttle missions so he was my boss and mentor a couple of times in my career, and he um you know he was so smart and literally out of this world smart but one thing he did that was really cool that made the mentoring relationship easy. And it addressed issues of schedule and budget and things that people trip over when you're in the workplace. You know, oh, I don't have time to mentor, et cetera. He would take me or a couple of my colleagues with him, and I underscore the word with, because then we got to see him in action. We got to debrief after we would go to a meeting or after we would, you know, go to a launch of one of the rockets or, you know, we got to just be in the moment, in in the meetings, in his presence. And so... It wasn't just like a, oh, let's go meet for one hour under the fluorescent lights and sit at the uh, conference table kind of mentoring. It was like real life stuff. And even when we weren't in the same city, which happened a lot of times, we would try to be as virtual as we could to experience the job, uh, the goals, the missions together. So I always Mm. admired that. So I always knew now when I mentor just ask somebody to come along with me, you know, that way you transfer so much more than you do sometimes just sitting and having a meeting in
0: the office. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing and that makes sense to me. I I can totally picture that because you're getting to not just hear the words, you're getting to see the experience and you're also getting to feel it because when you're in meetings that have, you know, high pressure outcomes or the, you know, there are significant outcomes on the line, the energy that's created in that meeting is something you can't verbally explain to a mentee. They have to sit there and experience it because sometimes there's snap decisions made on the spot and how you make those decisions is something that you can learn from so i think that that's just brilliant that's a super
1: good segue to this story um Lee. Really is uh, i had a boss named tom who was the cfo of our company and and so he would take me with him to this joint venture that we were doing we are and he's we were sitting across the table from the people we the The company we were joint venturing with, we'd been working and working on the deal. It had been just months. We were all dog tired and we're all pretty mad at each other for how things were not going and the terms and conditions were not coming into place like we were supposed to. And the person on the other side who was representing the other team got very, very bombastic, very critical, started to be personally critical of Tom and was yelling at him and saying things I couldn't believe my ears. So I'm kind of looking out the side of my eyes going, what is Tom going to do? Because he could have gotten into the fray with him. And I mean, there could have been, you know, fisticuffs. Yeah. Tom shut his book, looked across to the other guy, and goes, We refuse to be treated this way. And until you have something um, that's helpful to talk about in this meeting, we're going to be exiting. So he got up, we all followed him out, and out we went. And the message there to me, this goes exactly to what you were saying. He could have told us about this afterwards. Mm. Oh, this is what you do when somebody gets, starts personally and professionally attacking you. But to watch him in the moment, even now, <laughs> even dealing with my teenage kids, when, when it comes to when things start to get really you know, hot and, and emotions start to rise, it's like, close the book. We're going to talk about this later. We'll come back when we can talk about it better. Super great lesson yeah
0: and that carries through all areas of life that's a that's a really good example and one i think that we face a lot and i i'm trying to just think of you know a lot of the conversations i've had around mentoring in the last couple of years have been really about that one on one experience or the passing of education and You know, what you're talking about, the actual physical experience of someone doing their job, you know, I think about, I do that a lot with interns. I've worked with interns my entire career, and I'm a big fan of taking them everywhere with me. They get to like sit next to me. They get to hear the conversations I have, unless it's sensitive information, but with employees or boards of directors, or it could even be, you know, community partners, whoever it is, I bring interns with me all the time because I feel like the greatest experience they're going to get is, you know, real life ones. But I never really thought about that from a mentoring perspective. thats You've just shifted my mindset already.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good. Well, then they'll remember when you're not even in the room anymore. Oh, that's what Tal really did. So that'll be cool.
0: Yeah, I have an intern from a few years ago, actually, when I um, did some work with the city of Aurora and helped build their Sister City program. I had an intern there, and she contacted me recently and told me that one of the most difficult conversations that she sat in which was one that didn't really have anything to do with me and what I was doing but I was like roped into something I didn't need to be in but I you know I can't like get up and leave the middle of the meeting with like elected officials that doesn't usually go very well Mm -hmm. but I just kept out of it I stayed out of the things I stayed in my own lane I didn't swerve into somebody else's lane and she recently told me that she had an experience like that where she was pulled into something that had nothing to do with her and she just learned keep my head down this is not for me move on go do my job and I was super proud to hear that so I I've never really thought about that from a mentoring perspective, but that's exactly what you just described. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So you had a couple of really great mentors in your career. And when, like, at what point did you start, at what point did you start realizing this was a thing for you? Like this actual concept of mentoring was a thing.
1: Uh, About five years before I decided to leave corporate life, I was executive sponsor of um, leadership development program, and we had about 50 millennials, and uh, so, you know, I was the one that was kind of honchoing that, making sure that they got mentored, they went through a rotational program and everything, and I got really deeply into seeing the benefit that these guys were getting from their mentors. They were new in the company. They were maybe mm, a year to five years in the company, Mm -hmm. so... And uh, and so I saw that it was working so beautifully in that leadership development program. So you know how when you see something, hey, this is working right, and then you kind of look around and go, but hey, this is not working so well. So I knew then that I was going to try to write a book with some steps that were pretty easily grasped of of how people could have a successful mentoring relationship like we built in that um, leadership development program that people could use.
0: All right, we're going to keep talking about this because first of all, I want to hear more about all of the millennials that you worked with, Lori, but first we're going to take a quick break from our amazing sponsors that help make this podcast happen and fuel us to keep going. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. And we're back. So Lori, you worked with a group of 50 millennials. That right there, I think we could do a whole podcast on because yeah. that must have been an experience. I mean, hey, I you know, I don't know if you've listened to any other podcasts on millennials, but I'm one person that you know I'm, I've raised two millennials and both of mine, one of them sits on one end of the scale of like very anti-social media, anti-electronics. The other one is like 24 seven, but there are so many good things, I think, coming out of this generation about collaboration that are, I'm going to say us in the same generation or you know, relatively in the same age area, but we didn't grow up with collaboration as the top of what we did. I'll say that that's one thing I'm always impressed about with millennials, but I want to hear all the details on what it was like to work with 50 of them.
1: Yeah, it was neat. Um, so... So I had a person that worked for me and he would be the one that was kind of like in the trenches with these guys. What I would do with them though would be, um, you know, help pair them up with mentors and that was really good. They each had a buddy mentor and okay. they each had a, uh, so like when they came in they were like, you know, where is the coffee machine? They had the, the buddy mentor and then they also had, you know, an executive or higher up the, the food chain um, person that was was helping them. And so we just um, you know, encourage them always to do things with their mentors, to have regular meetings with their mentors, and to give us feedback on how that was going. It was so much fun, and I'm with you, Tarverly. Working with millennials has just been, um, I hate the bad rap millennials get sometimes. It's like, no way, they are just so energized and mm-hmm. uh, wanted to just do so much good. And so we would collaborate with them, um, to use the word you just used. And, and the projects that we would do, um, they would be right in on it. And even beyond collaboration, we would encourage reverse mentoring. So like I asked for a reverse mentor for me. And I think uh, one thing I knew that I wasn't the greatest at was was at the time working with some of the Excel stuff, which I, I was kind of always delegating to someone else. Yeah. So I asked one of the guys in, in uh, California, and we were in Colorado, hey, can you meet with me every week? And uh, you know coach me and mentor me on how to use um, excel and I remember him teaching me pivot tables and all of that you know and I would be Love like it. going out to my guys you know and saying anybody need any help with this you know and they kind of <laughs> laugh you know it's like yeah, we don't need your help Lori but um anyway I learned a lot from him and it was uh, really refreshing and kind of emboldening to both of us to um you know have him be giving it back the other way
0: Yeah, that is really neat. Um, And you know, back to this whole millennial thing, I think they have lots to teach us in terms of how they operate with each other because never before have we raised a group of humans that have unlimited access to information. Mm-hmm. And when you provide somebody with unlimited access to information, then the ideas and creativity that they bring to the table is so different. I mean, you and I didn't have that. There was no internet when I was in, you know, a junior or senior in high school researching a paper, we had books. We, I mean, yeah, we, yeah. we had books. We went to the yeah. library, and we had books. And yes, people, I've just aged myself, and sorry, Lori, <laughs> I aged you. Too.
1: <laughs> yeah, <But>, don't, <laughs> don't dragged me along there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, you know, there were books that educated us. So I, I think that that's a really important thing. And you're right; they are willing to give. If I think of somebody mentoring you and helping you in Excel, I mean. If the millennial generation knows knows something that you don't know, this is where I see that sort of humility pill that you talked about being necessary because it doesn't matter how old you are. I think if you stop learning, you're not growing and then you're dying. So it doesn't matter what age you are. I think we all still have things to learn. And that reverse idea of having someone with less experience but more technology knowledge helping my generation, oh, to me, that is absolutely a huge win. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, interesting. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I so when you finished that program, was your company open to you like continuing it? Because it sounds like it was sort of a project of bringing these fifty new employees in. And I like it that they had a buddy to help them navigate a new office, because we've all been in brand new offices and don't even know like when you're supposed to take a break or where or if those stack of granola bars in the kitchen are for everybody or you know <laughs> I like, they are. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> people don't know that. So that buddy system is good. But then you helped match them with an internal to help them in their actual position itself so when that was sort of done rolling out is it something that your company continued
1: still ongoing yeah it's been going on for for years and so the, and now they do leadership development programs across all different disciplines they do it in finance and engineering in operations in it in hr so yeah it's a, a it's a super great concept and and that
0: that just kind of keeps on giving if you want to put it that way and do you think a lot of companies do it this way, or is this unique? because honestly, in all of my experience in the corporate world, I've never seen anything like that so is this not a common thing?
1: Um, I think you have to look for it, and I think one of the big selling points that especially um, big corporations that have some of the financial resources to do it it's a big selling point for people coming out of um, college or grad school mm. or uh, maybe coming you know in the first ten years of their career from another company that if they have programs like that leadership development programs that include a strong mentoring component that that's a big selling point for that company and they are out there for sure.
0: Yeah. And that's that's good to hear because what you're talking about to me, I think, is is part of what you're going to see in the future. You know, I'm a big believer in social impact as a way to bring more talent to a company, meaning, you know, what I do at Corporate Cause Agency, helping businesses grow their community partnerships and engaging their employees in that process. We know that this next generation wants companies to care about more than just their bottom line. They want they want the company to care about the community and to care about their values as well. So I think that a lot Along with that it's this this concept of how you're connecting or how you connected as part of that program new employees with mentors because it's really hard when you start out we've all been there yeah awesome so you finish that then what Oh, about that
1: time then i decided to launch my own company that's about when i left and uh so i started the mentor shift group and and i just had this burning platform to write this book uh, mentor shift not mentorship like s-h-i-p is in paul but oh. mentor shift yes. is, is a different way to mentor so it's a four-step process and i made it easy to remember no show grow go and it's a four-step process that anybody can kind of come in and take their mentee and and go through and and I come out the other end with a mentee who's not just up to speed on new things but able to turn around and mentor somebody else
0: yeah okay so let's go through those four steps what are they
1: okay no show grow go so uh, just to put it like okay so you and me let's say you're mentoring me, tarver Lee so no is you know you know a certain um, group of um, informational things about a job about um, about uh you know your work. So you've got a knowledge base, you know, and I know what it is that I want to learn from you. Step one. Step two is show. It's where you start inviting me into, hey Lori, you know, you want to come with me when I'm meeting this client? They said it would be okay. You know, hey, let's meet for coffee and and I want to talk to you a little bit about how you deal with somebody who's resistant in this area or whatever. Mm. So show. Yeah. Grow is where you kind of hand off some stuff to me. And and say, you know, hey, we are going to go meet with these people, I'm inviting you, Lori, but why don't you take over this piece of it here, so when I'm talking about my business, why don't you give like five minutes on this, and so I step into that, and then go, I'm getting ready to be able to go out, and maybe work in a a small company, um, an entrepreneurial thing like what you have, um, because I've been equipped to go do that, So, Mm. um, so the process is the teacher, kind of, no show, grow, go, by the time you and I are done. I've kind of gotten this knowledge baton from you and I kind of know how to go give it to somebody else. That's, isn't that the key?
0: You know, I know that when we first talked about that, that's the key. If you're not setting somebody else up to know how to mentor somebody else, because that's where the circle comes around. That's, you know, I know people can't see your face, but I can. And when you talk about it, this is where you light up because I know that you are teaching people, not just to how to be a mentor, but how to be a mentor for somebody else. So it's not just about what you get, it's what can you get so you can then pass it along. Right. Right on. That's Excellent. It. I like it. And I can see it in you. You love this stuff. So that's mentorship. Yep. Um, and I like those four steps because I think that as well applies for entrepreneurs. Actually, it applies in anywhere. You know, you have to start somewhere. I mean, something, I was not necessarily as good at knowing what I wanted from a mentor. It just, the first time it happened, it just like, it like, it like vomited out of my mouth. I didn't even know it was going to come out <laughs> afterwards. I'm like, what did I just say? Did I just do that? <laughs> I just did that. And I, I knew it was the right thing. I didn't necessarily articulate very well uh, what I wanted to know but I've since learned that but at least I started at least I made that ask I think that was a big a big stepping point for me
1: yeah you know and I've spoken to I mean like I think thousands of people and and I always canvas people about what your questions are you know that you have ahead of time before I go in and speak to an audience and they're always around this and you and I are hitting on them all the time here the first question people have because I am turn them into me ahead of time how do I find a mentor for me? Number two, what do I do when we're together? You know, what do we do with our time together? And thirdly, you know, how do I gracefully exit that relationship? Mm-hmm. And um, so I still have an ongoing thing. And how do I turn around and do it with somebody else? So um, lots of times when I speak, I sort of just center centered around those questions because they're sort of the top of mind burning platform things that that people are talking about and we're talking about now
0: yeah because you do a lot of speaking on this topic don't you I do mm-hmm. yeah and so large audiences small audiences and you said that you collect questions in advance Uh huh. how do you do that like what's your process
1: oh usually someone who will be hiring me will say you know we have these 150 200 people that you'll be speaking to and I say can you canvas the audience in any way and send me Just the summary of what the top, you know, ask them what their top five questions are. And so I get them ahead of time. But over time, I've collected them and I say, you know, the same ones keep coming up. And so I'm going to write another book on that about how to write a great, I mean, how to find a great mentor for yourself. And I'm going to direct a lot of my speaking to those questions because that's what people have.
0: Yeah, and so that was your third book, right? Like how to find a mentor because that's the most common question. And I I think especially for introverts or people who are not as confident in themselves, it's really difficult to put yourself out there. I mean, that's like asking for a professional date. It's like, will you date me professionally for a little while? I mean, that's a big big risk because especially in your company, if that's your job and somebody says no, I mean, the fear, and and again, I want to preface that from what I've heard and correct me if I'm wrong, from what I've heard, most mentors don't say no because they find it an honor now contradict me tell me tell me when mentors would say no well,
1: mentors would say no if you came and say would you mentor me? And it's not very clear what you're really asking because they've got jobs and they've got bottom line deliverables and things like that that they have to do. So, so they might say no then, and they might just be in a season of their career where they're too busy to take on, you know, that relationship. So there are some, there are some viable reasons, but as a mentee, you never want to make it, you know, so um, broad that it kind of scares the mentor away. So, so here's an example of <laughs> I've done some wrong things, but here's the one that, um, that I did that worked well and I kind of used it as an illustration. I really wanted to be a speaker when I got out of my company. And um, I really admired Deborah Fine. She's written a book called The S- uh, Fine Art of Small Talk. And so I went to a uh, Women's Vision Foundation um, conference and she had a breakout se- session. So I decided I'm gonna go sit in the front row like a hungry little beagle, and listen to what she's saying, and then when I'm done, I'm going to ask her about some time with her, so I waited after she was signing books and everything, and I was nervous because I hadn't done this before, but I went up to her, and I said, when it was my turn to have her sign the book, Deborah, you don't know me. I'm Lori Bachman. I'm going to be graduating from my company soon, and um, if you have 45 minutes that you could give to me, I will buy you the best cup of coffee you've ever had. And I promise not to take any more than 45 minutes of your time. I want to learn about your journey as a successful speaker and writer. Would you be willing to do that? And she looked at me and she sat there and thought about it for a few. And I was like, hurry up. Oh gosh. (laughs) She goes, sure. I'd be willing to do that, Lori. And so she met with me. I took her card so that I um, initiated the contact and we had coffee and I took 45 minutes of her time and bought her some coffee. And to this day, we are still what I call friend tours, friends mm. or mentors that have become friends. And uh, so so that was an example. I made it bite-sized for her. And um, very she very much knew what she was getting into and time-bound for the first time.
0: Yeah, that's a really good example. And did you ask her for any sort of specific guidance at the time, like introductions to anyone? Or did you just ask for her her sharing of her story
1: i mostly asked for sharing of her story and then she did it so as a result of that it kind of came if i can say secondhand it, we built goodwill in that um that yeah. uh, meeting into where she would shoot me um speaker references or i'd all of a sudden get an email that said I can't speak at your thing to so-and-so, and and she'd say, but Lori Bachman is a speaker, and she'd have me copied. So she Mm. gave me several references Mm. uh, to go speak off of that. So she's been a a great resource person.
0: All right, my friends, we're going to have another quick message from our sponsors, and we will be right back with Lori Bachman. Welcome back, guys. So yeah, I love that you took the approach to do that, and it is a little nerve-wracking. I mean, there's I can come up with a couple of examples where I've asked people um, to join this podcast. And that's kind of been the same thing, although it's not a mentoring meeting. I've always said one of my most favorite things, Lori, about doing this podcast is getting to spend time with people like you because you are bringing such passion and expertise in your field. And a lot of this are things that I don't know. So although we're sharing this far and wide and lots of people are listening and learning along, I'm also doing the same. So I feel like I've gotten more comfortable putting myself in that position just by inviting people to come on my podcast and talk about their expertise. So maybe it's kind of selfish because in a way I get to ask all the questions and have you share your journey with me so I can learn from you. But my goal is to really share that with as many people as possible, because now you are here talking about this and mentoring, you know, thousands of other women. And this is forever. This will always be available for people to learn. So thanks for coming on and sharing your expertise. I just wanted to tell you that that's, that's part of what I do in inviting people like yourself to join. It's hard. Yeah. Thank you. So, okay. So we are back on this topic. So you wrote, Mentor shift. and you also wrote how to find a great mentor for you. So, what's the difference between that and mentor shift at Work?
1: shift at Work is kind of like the supplement guide uh, workbook, if you will. If uh, you know you and I were stuck on a desert island and we didn't have anything but the workbook, we would be able to have a great mentoring relationship just by going through the um, the exercises, the activities, and things that that follow the No Show, Grow, Go. So it was just like a little bit more hands on.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And, but this also applies to regular life people. I mean, I say that, like in fitness, for example, you know, Lori, I'm a big fan of, you know, when you, Strengthen your body, it strengthens your mind. And so I, I work really hard on my body. And I, I have a strength and conditioning coach that I work with all the time. And she is, she is younger than me. She's an Olympic weightlifter. She knows her stuff very well. And I find that even having somebody be a mentor to me in my journey to stay strong is important, let alone my business. But in life, too, I mean, it's like having coaches. These, there are, are ways that you can learn from other people in a variety of methods that I think just really improve who you are.
1: Yeah, and in your family as well. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And do you still work with mentors? Do I still mentor
0: or do I work with mentors? Do you have any mentors now?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, I've got mentors, yeah. 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 I, still lead, uh, I still have um, women and men that I meet with, and we talk about whatever it is, my speaking career. We talk about um, some things I do um, in the community. And, uh, yeah, I probably have three or four ongoing and always will.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So you started your own company. I know you do a lot of public speaking. You authored these three amazing books. So people, if you want to check them out, it's mentorship, Shift, Mentor Shift at Work, and How to Find a Great mentor, mentor for You, all under Lori Bachman. You can go find those. And Lori, we'll, we'll give people more information on where they can find you in a little bit. But tell me more about how you've been growing your business and who you primarily work with.
1: So I've... Uh, um I've been growing my business um, I've been in it now seven years I spent a lot of time especially initially going into to big corporations that I was very familiar with uh, what that whole infrastructure was like and helping um, to build um, to build mentoring programs. One example was a a company had me come in and they had just been taken over and they had um, ten women that they wanted to promote from like a senior manager director up into start getting them into the C levels. And so they said, can you put together a mentoring program uh, for us? And so they, we paired those 10 women with 10 of the C level. Um, they happened to be men at, in that company. And so we worked for six months to, to, you know, get these women equipped so that they would be able to step more into leadership. So I did a lot of that. Um, and then going in and then training mentor mentee pairs in the no show grow go process uh, recently, I've um, been spending even more time speaking. I get invited a lot into companies when they have oh, like need keynotes, lunch and learns, workshops, breakouts, et cetera. But the other fun thing I've been doing, and this came this absolutely springboarded out of mentoring was uh, what you started out the podcast with. Um, Tung Fu. Oh, yes, and, we gotta uh, hear about
0: that, because yeah. I just love that name. <laughs>
1: because, and, and Tung Fu is, uh, is a way to communicate, I, we, I say martial, martial arts for the mind and mouth, and, um, and so I'm a certified trainer in that, it's a really neat system, and, and it came because so much of what I was finding with mentors and mentees, they were coming with communication issues. My boss doesn't listen to me. My boss is bullying me. You know, I have this coworker who doesn't listen and then goes off and does her or his own thing. And so I thought, you know, what better, what better way to parlay mentoring into um, what's really going to be at home for people with community communication. And especially with the bullying part, I, I also go into schools and do that now too, because, um, you know, with you, you and I know all the attention that's been on Me Too movement and right. and, and everything. Everybody needs to know how to find their voice. And um, so they're not, you know, uh, blown back in the wind when somebody says or does something to them, but rather can stand strong. So that's been super exciting. And that's been like just the past two or three years that I'm doing more of that.
0: Don't you find that that's going to be a, a even more important topic as we are in this time of women rising and using their voices to stand up against, you know, sexual harassment as a way to be bullied, because often that's what it is. It's a, a way to be bullied, especially in the workplace. Is this going to be something you're going to focus a lot in the future especially mentoring and and helping men learn how to handle this because I think that we drop the ball we make accusations a lot but we don't teach we don't necessarily teach that's that's part of where I think sometimes that gets lost I mean bullies are bullies that's not what I'm talking about but I'm talking about the innocent things that some people may do without knowing that that would be an awkward thing
1: Yeah. And that's, that's great that you brought that up because that's a real target audience of, you know, the men are saying, you know, we don't want to mess up, you know, you know, we've seen, you know, stuff that, you know, has happened to, to all these guys in Hollywood and all these guys that, you know, are in the media and things like that. We want to make sure that we don't cross the line and unless somebody helps them. So, so that's a big passion of mine is working with the men too. You know, um, not just boomers, but also, um, you know, X and millennials and, And Z, the latest, Um, yeah, yeah, Z is the latest group of of people coming up. We've all had people say stuff and do stuff to us that we wish we would have said something more at the time, and that if only we'd known how, or if only we had known who to go to, you know, to talk about it and things like that. So with especially the um, Never Be Bullied Again workshop, we get like really into, you know, how to um, how to be ready in the moment. When those things happen to you, and how to build your team and build your um, voice, so that so that you're not going to get caught off guard anymore. Unfortunately, all this stuff is happening around us, so we've got some infrastructure in place too.
0: Yeah, I mean, and we're humans, so this is going to continue to happen. this This is a this is sure. a thing. People mess up all the time. I I'm going to tell you a funny story from back in my days when I was still growing in the nonprofit sector, and I was working in a development department with. Um, with a boss who was a bully and, you know, I was definitely young and I wasn't really sure what I was doing. And I really loved the cause. The organization was amazing. It was actually the Canadian. um, It was the, Oh, I'm going to forget the name, but it was the, it was the, organization that supported people with vision impairment. It was, I think it was the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. Yeah, that was it. And the person that was running this department was an absolute bully. And I felt all the time like so uncomfortable. I mean, one day I had, my daughter had pink eye at school and I had to go pick her up and take her home. And I didn't have any family around at the time. So I had no choice. I had to go pick up my child. But that particular day I was doing like errands and, you know, we were in the middle of an event. So I was like collecting sponsor contracts. I was doing all kinds of stuff that I could actually take my daughter with me. And so when I called her to tell her, listen, I'm going to be about a half an hour behind on my schedule today, but I'm still going to get everything done. I'm just going to shift it a little to the, you know, later in the afternoon. And she left me in tears. She yeah. left me in tears at what I was capable of. And, and I just, and it was basically all because I was a, a, a single parent. Like that's, that's what it boiled down to. And I never understood it. Cause you know what? She was a single parent too. So there was this weird thing going on. And so at the time I became close friends with somebody else in the department. And I remember sitting down in their office and asking them like, what do you suggest I do? you know, you're an outsider, you don't have to work, you know, directly for her, like, give me your outside looking in opinion. And she said to me, which was, this is so interesting. She said to me that, well, you walked by once when you first started, you walked by the secretary's desk, and you had extra like cookies or something that day, and you dropped cookies on the table of somebody that you knew. And you know, this person that was your boss felt totally left out. And so that was part of the issue. And I'm like, wow. So what, you know, not, not to say that bringing cookies in is a solution to any problem, but I'm just, you know, as humans, small things can impact the way that we interact. And I was definitely not as equipped to that as I am now to handle those situations because it's happened a thousand times since. And I'm very used to it. In fact, I, you know, I hope I've never been that, that boss, but I may have because times get busy and we're not always our best. But I think that that's as humans, we just have these experiences where we we're not always very good. And so learning a way to handle that at an early age, I think is critical. Uh,
1: I, I write a blog, Oh, every couple of weeks and on my website, LaurieBachman.com. And this year, probably the two blogs that I've written that have gotten like a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of, um, um, you know, interaction on social media. One is um, four ways to deal with a workplace bully and the other one is are you too nice for your own good uh, mm-hmm. those two so anyway I would just you know refer anybody to go take a peek at those because they've got some some ways to handle the kind of situations you're talking about yeah. where you're kind of just hit broadside with stuff that you didn't even intend so yeah, yeah.
0: I think one of the things that come with wisdom, again, I'm referencing our age again. I don't know why. That come with our wisdom <laughs> is our ability to understand that people's actions are not always a reflection of you. It's something in them. And yeah. to be wise and compassionate to understanding somebody else's, whatever their little internal world is going on with them and how they reacted to you might have nothing to do with you. But sometimes that takes a, a, a lifetime to really... To really embrace that and feel comfortable with that so tell me a little bit more about your blogs like how did you start writing a blog in the midst of all this as well
1: well just from the passion of mentoring and then the passion of tung fu and bullying um i just you know write what's kind of on my heart and what i see you know is- issues are in um you know online that people are interested in so so i write everything from about millennial mentoring to um with mentoring that i told you uh, to bullying to you know to whatever is um kind of like at the top of the the news and and on the top of people's minds and so it's a good outlet for me i love to write but i'm kind of tired of writing books for a little bit so i'm doing it on my blog
0: yeah three books is a lot how many i mean what years were those produced (laughs) uh those were like uh 14 16 and 17 so all right, we're going to continue with Lori Bachman in just a few minutes after we hear a, a last hello from our sponsors that helped make this podcast so amazing for all of you to join us. Okay, we're back. Lori, um, you have children, right? You have two teenagers? I do. Yeah, so how do you, I'm curious because, you know, I have a, a 20 and an 18-year-old. Well, at least right now they are. It depends on when you're listening to this podcast. They could be older. But how do you, you know, bring this you know all of this into how you parent.
1: I go so much on the uh, principle of with with mentoring, and you know all the time of raising uh, the kids. Oh, here's a good example of my daughter, who's 20 now. But as I was, you know, going through my speaking career, so many times, Lee, I would take her with me when I would go speaking. Now, even if she was just handing out handouts or making sure all the bottles of water were in the back of the room, you know, or maybe helping greet or things like that. She was able to see me in my element and what I did and why I did it and why I'm so passionate about it. So now when she speaks about not just, oh, you know, here's what my mom does, but mentoring, she says to me sometimes, I could tell the stories that you tell in my sleep, you know, because she's heard them so many times. And so so I've really tried to, um, to do the with mentoring, both with my son and daughter, to, um, to, to make sure that they see you know, life at its um, most real points.
0: And that's really good advice for all the parents is bring your children with you. Let them see, let them see what you do, especially if you know they have an interest in, you know, learning what you're doing. And even if they don't have an interest, maybe it's not optional. I know that my son would definitely has not asked to come. He's listened to a few of my podcasts, but he's not asked to come to any of my events. But my daughter, on the other hand, I brought her with me to Women's Entrepreneurship Day, even though there weren't going to be a lot of girls her age. She's 18. She's, you know, in first year. College, um, but Mandy Connell and I were going to be there podcasting all day, and plus I was part of the planning committee, so I knew she was going to get to meet an inner core of women like yourself that are running massively successful companies, and also see me podcast because she's never done that before. So she spent the whole day there, and she was absolutely amazing. I laugh when, um, when one of the you know a couple of the people came in, we didn't have time to podcast for. By the end, my daughter took out my business card and wrote my Calendly link on my business card and. Hey, handed it to her and said oh you can book on my mom's schedule here whoa that was that was your agent yeah Yeah, right but you know until then she hasn't really been involved so I like it that you bring your you know your kids to be involved in that so how else as a parent does it well I I kind of have
1: one I'll flip that around and and do it as a child and 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 talk about my parent because this is my favorite this is my favorite ever mentoring story this is about my dad and uh so I was raised uh, in the Midwest and uh, was a um, rancher's daughter, and so as a little girl, I mean, my dad used to take my brother and I out in the, he was a cattle broker, and he would take us out in the um, pickup truck, and we would get right up next to the cattle, and he would give us the quiz, you know, what kind of, is this a Hereford, is this a steer, you know, love the it, yeah.
0: to market,
1: and uh so, and then he, he taught me just, you know, even up through high school, how to, you know, stay on a horse that was running away, how to act in an auction market um, setting, you know, uh, how to shoe horses, you know, every, you know the whole thing. That was my growing up. And my dad would take me with him on these cattle trips and we would just, I would watch him do business. Mm-hmm. So then I went to college and I ended up in um, aerospace. And okay. so, anyway, so my dad had, you know, that had always been a fun part of my growing up. Well, about, seven years ago, it was in um, 2011. Um, and I had started my own company. My mom called me and said, and they live here in Denver and said, um, your dad needs you. Could you help him? And I said, well, sure. What can I do? And she said, well, you know, he's got the last three deals of his 60 year career and, um, he needs your help with him. And for my dad, uh, that terrible thief that comes in and steals one's memory had happened to him. And he had dementia and in in the kind of in the middle phases of it. So he wasn't able to go transact a multi hundred thousand cattle deal. So I had not done anything like this for like, you know, 25 years. And so um, my dad and I, in his last three deals, um, put on our cowboy boots, went and got our Krispy Kreme donuts in the early morning hours and drove up to Wyoming. And, um, I went and I handled the deals for him. He was able to load the cattle and do all of the, the work. But when it came to the end where you go to the little restaurant with the rancher family and you write the check and you figure out how much the cattle weighed and all that kind of stuff, he turned that over to me. So one time I remember I was looking, sitting in that restaurant, looking across, uh, at my dad, and he was sitting over there at the side and he looked at me and I caught his eye and we just looked at each other and, and, and it reminded me of that Shakespeare saying the wheel has come full circle because here 25 years later I was still able to go do this mm-hmm. and he knew and I knew. And so as we were driving home that day in, in the vast beautiful desolation that is Wyoming, um, my dad said, I I never could have done this without you. And I said, I could only have done this with you, Dad. So all these years, that gift of with mentoring kept on giving, and I was able to help him end his 60-year stellar career as a as a cattleman with grace and dignity.
0: I love that so much, Lori. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on my show. I, people have lots that they could continue to learn. I feel like we barely even skimmed the surface of the topic of mentoring. There's so much, so much detail to it, but I love that you've given people action steps or something to think about it, stuff to think about it in a different way. So not mentoring, but the mentor shift. I love that. So tell our listeners where they can find you. I know your website is lauribachman.com. Bachman, uh, what about social media?
1: so uh, i have a facebook page the mentorship group uh, and i'm also on linkedin and twitter and you can just find me by typing my name in Lori bachman
0: great and i will put notes um, in the show profile so people can find it that way as well but my last question for you which i like to ask all my guests is what percentage of grit and grace are you (laughs)
1: so 30 years ago I would have been about 99% grit and uh, not too much grace and uh, as time goes by I think I've uh, gone a lot more to the grace part of life grace for others grace towards me uh, myself you know the the places where you stumble in life grace towards my kids um, you know grace towards um, just just um, a view of helping people be the best that they can be and and helping them to find their place in this world. That's the thing. That's the grace that I want to flow
0: out of me now. Amazing. Love it. Thank you for coming on, Lori. Thanks, Tommy Lee. Talk to you soon. All right, everyone, you got to hear this amazing woman, Lori Bachman, who is a master at mentorship, and she also trains people in the art of tongue-fu, which I think is amazing. Go check out her books, check out her website, find out more on how you can work with her. And as always, my friends, go be fierce.